Welcome to the Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're growing a brand around your nerdy passion, you can learn from business and marketing podcasts, or you can learn from nerds like you. This is the show built by bloggers, cosplayers, gamers, artists, and other entrepreneurs that are making the things you love. How's it going, entrepreneurs? Welcome to episode 72 of the Entrepreneur Podcast by Under the Capes. I'm your host, Tim, and I've got an awesome episode for you today. Um, hope everyone's staying safe and sane during the quarantine. Um, I spent the weekend finishing up a Red Hood cosplay, which was a really simple build. I just did the helmet and the chest armor, but you know, something to something fun to do uh, over a couple weekends. And um, yeah, I put some pictures up on on Instagram for that. I'm happy with how that came out. Um, used I don't use patterns that often because kind of like to take my own spin on it, but I ended up using a couple patterns from Olympian props. And, um, yeah, I liked, I liked the designs that he had up there and I, I really liked how those came out. And, um, yeah, patterns is definitely a, a, an easy way to get something really cool. Um, and yeah, that was, that was a lot of, a lot of fun. And other than that, I've just been watching a ton of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, um, which is, a great show definitely recommend definitely earns the the emmy wins on that one and um yeah it's going to probably start a a stand-up comedy obsession after this and i'll be watching a ton of that from now on um but this week a really great guest i have chris sully returning who initially came on the show all the way back in episode four uh sully and steve from nerd foo came on and since then um that was three years ago um nerd foo is a great podcast that um talks nerdy news and and discussions over movies and collectibles and tv and, and conventions and everything and um Sully also for for most of the most of that time has worked at Funko and done the Funko Funcast and was the marketing manager over there and um, recently left Funko and we talk a lot about that journey and kind of how how to approach you know leaving leaving one job and trying to trying to start something new without completely losing your old audience and um sully has has brought a lot of that over audience over to his twitch stream where he does game streams and giveaways and he's currently streaming animal crossing which um it's it's a lot of fun over there he gets a good audience and he does a podcast with his brother movie retakes which goes through all of the properties that studios are currently rebooting or remaking or sequeling and and talks about um kind of reviews the old project offers some some great segments that offer trivia about the project and just kind of general trivia um general movie trivia and then they go into their pitches for the the remake or the reboot or 
or how they would retake the project, which is their their term for it. Um, casting, plot, setting the whole the whole works, and um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a really fun podcast. They've had some, they've talked about some cool movies like Demolition Man, Top Gun, Dune, um, a lot of the ones that are getting the the retake uh, treatment right now, and and talk about their their take on it. So we talk about you know podcasting lessons from from Sully who's done over 400 episodes we talk about um his experience moving from Mixer to Twitch and we answer some questions from Twitter which I appreciate the people bringing to the conversation so I think you guys are going to have a lot to learn from this one and let's dive right on in All right, I'm now joined by Sully. Uh, thanks for joining me, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Tim. It's good to be back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's been three years since you've been on uh, last. Um, what's what's changed in the past three years? It's, it sounds like a lot. Good Lord, three years. It didn't. It doesn't seem like it, honestly. Uh, right. It seems like we just did this a few months ago, but that I think that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, I've been very busy. I think uh, last we spoke, uh, I must have just joined Funko. And uh, moved up to the Seattle area. And uh, since then, I mean, God, we've had a global pandemic. I've been to approximately 1.2 million Comic Cons, somewhere in there, uh, and recorded a few thousand episodes of podcasts, which is all great. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a crazy run. But uh, unfortunately, lately, yeah, the COVID thing has kind of taken over and caused some serious changes in the world. And I, uh, I am no longer at Funko. Uh, but uh, working on some passion projects and some things that I've been wanting to do for a while and still continuing on with podcasting and live streaming and the things that I I found that I had a knack for while working at Funko and uh, still very much a collector too. I know people keep asking me that question, but I'm, I'm still collecting Funko too. Yeah, because I think it's interesting because you, you had a, a fairly public role at Funko where you were kind of interacting with the fans a lot. A lot of the fans knew you. You were on the Funko Funcast, so you like, you had a lot of the the Funko audience knows you. So what's been the experience kind of letting them know, like, I'm doing this now. And if you liked the Funcast, like you might like uh, watching me on uh, streaming on Twitch. Like how, how have you kind of migrated your audience? Yeah, it's I was very fortunate at Funko. Uh, I, I ended up in a place that I always thought I, I didn't know that's where I should be, but it turned out that's where I should be. I, like I really enjoy engaging with people. I love podcasting. I love uh, I love getting in front of audiences, even though I was terrified at first. It's something that over time I got to be pretty good at and really enjoyed. And uh, Funko let me hone all those skills, which was amazing. Uh, and while I was there, I ended up buying a new PC and doing a little game streaming. And I, and I really enjoyed doing that as well. Just another way to engage with people. So when we went on uh, temporary furlough a few months ago, not knowing exactly what the future had in store for us, I thought I'm not going to just sit around and catch up on all the TV that I've been meaning to stream and all the movies I've been meaning to watch. I'm going to hit the ground running with the, with another side project and see if I can build that into something. And I did, I started streaming on mixer. Um, as soon as I, as soon as that decision was made, I started using Twitter and Instagram, uh, which are my two primary social channels, to engage with everybody and let them know, hey, I'm going to be over here. If you guys find yourself with some time, if you want to engage with me, come on over. And the fanatics did. So many of them. 
uh, I had amazing support right out of the get-go with people who, I mean, it, this sounds crazy, but I can look at the analytics for my streaming and I, I have people that have spent 7,000 minutes with me do the math for how many hours that is. Uh, and I'm not even exaggerating. I can see those numbers and it's, it's insane. Uh, and I love it. I love it. It's uh, turned out uh, one of the highest compliments I could get in all of it was, Hey, you've created a place for us all to come hang out and chat with one another and you keep a good positive vibe and we dig that. And so that's what I've just leaned into and what I've continued to do. Uh, and then using, using those channels, specifically Mixer at first, now Twitch, uh, because Mixer's shutting down, uh, and Twitter and Instagram to spread that message and to get people involved. Yeah, because that was another migration you had to do where you, you know, have to now tell your Mixer audience, like, well, no, we're on we're on Twitch now. So what was uh, what was that that whole experience like? I, I won't lie. It was it was extremely frustrating. But if I've learned anything over the years, it's everything happens for a reason. Uh, I was 119 fans away or followers away from being able to apply for Mixer Partner. You had to have a minimum of 2,000 followers. And in three months, I was able to get really close, like just a couple percent away. And, uh, and then Mixer... Uh, some things happened in the news, and I'm not sure exactly uh, why or how it went down the way they, it did. But Mixer decided to make the announcement that they were going to uh, be shutting down uh, come July 22nd. So we're still three weeks away from that. And I had some decisions to make. And luckily, I mean, Mixer's still providing that service in the interim. So I went live the day that announcement went out uh, from Mixer saying they were going to shut down. And I talked to my audience and I said, hey, gang, I want to go on to the next stage. I mean, on our, on the table, we've got Facebook gaming, uh, which is, was working with Mixer to migrate their, their uh, platform over. Essentially we've got YouTube gaming, we've got Twitch and anything else y'all can think of. Where do you want me to go? You know, I mean, I think the best thing you can do, uh, when marketing a business or yourself is listen to your fans, uh, and friends. I hate to call them fans uh, when it comes to my personal stuff. I consider them friends and, um, everybody, we did a poll. It was like almost unanimous. Like 97% of the people said, you need to go to Twitch. That's where we'll be. That's what makes sense for us. That seems like the best opportunity. So go there and we'll be there. And sure enough, I fired up the first day on Twitch and had at one point over 100 people watching live, which for anybody who doesn't watch streaming services, that's that's pretty good. It's not easy to get 100 people onto a channel unless you're a very well-established streamer. So I was very fortunate to have that support. Uh, and those people that that came in that day have that, that audience has continued to grow, and people have continued to be very supportive. So I have been blessed to say the least. Yeah, it was. You definitely do provide that like cool hangout environment where you're just kind of chilling. And I'd never, I'd never really looked into Animal Crossing. So when I was, I I dropped in the other day, I was like, "This is what Animal Crossing is." He's just he's chilling in an apartment <laughs> and just yep. kind of like having a conversation with your fans, like are your friends, like. uh yeah, very, very relaxed, uh, fun atmosphere. You know, people people just want to belong. I think it's it's in all of us. Even if you're an introvert or an extrovert, you still want to belong in some way, shape, or form with some friends, with with the group. And uh, I, I've I, I'm listening to my friends. I'm trying to provide that, uh, and it's it's some of the things again that come natural to me, just engaging with people. Uh, but uh, it's there is a there's a balance that's very technical, very uh, difficult 
of the technical stuff, getting the stream going, keeping it maintained, dealing with all the technical issues while playing a video game, while talking to people. And luckily, those are things I've been doing for years. I just had to make sure they could all work in a balanced environment, and I was able to get there. And uh, I, I like to think every stream I get a little better at it. But saying people's names and getting to know them and understanding them and what they like and dislike is is really the majority of it. You you could go and play solitaire with a camera overhead, and if you engage with an audience, they're going to like it because they they want to talk. And even though it's very much a one way conversation, uh, audibly and visually, everybody can type in whatever they want in the comments, and they can guide the conversation. And that's that's what I allow to happen. That's what I uh, provide an opportunity for. Yeah, I think the asking them where they want you to go was huge for making sure you pick the right platform that most of your audience is willing to go to. And it also kind of lets them know, like you also have a say in all this, like gaining that, that input in, in a lot of different areas seems to, seems to be a great way to, to keep the fan base with you and, and uh, keep them engaged. Yeah. I mean, it would have been really stupid of me if I, I actually thought about, Hey, I'll go to Facebook. Cause that's where Mixer's kind of pushing everyone but uh, I did one test stream on Facebook a few weeks ago and found out that nearly half of my audience couldn't even comment. And I didn't know that till after the fact. I'm glad I did that test. Uh, but but again, like you said, it was it, I needed to listen to them and it, and it made perfect sense to do so. So I didn't have to I didn't have to hu- see a huge fall off in my audience. In fact, I saw growth. And did you so what was the transition? Was it that one like hey, we're moving somewhere, where should it be? And then the next one was on Twitch or was there kind of like a transition where you were on both and then the official like launch day? How did you how did you make it a smooth handoff? I, I debated doing, there's platforms or, or tools uh, like Restream that allow you to stream to multiple platforms at once. But I, I've never liked that. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a good utility to have and I used it at Funko a lot because you did want to be on the platforms where people are but it causes limitations in how you can engage with that audience. Uh, now you can you can see the chat, but if one person's on Twitch and another one's on Mixer, it makes for a weird conversation. Not everybody can see all the parts of the conversation. And I never, I never embraced that. It was just a, a necessity when I was using it before. And I didn't want to go down that route again. So I decided, you know what, let's just, let's just cut Mixer off. Clearly, and I don't want this to sound like a jab, but they made the statement publicly that, we aren't going to support this platform. Uh, we don't really care anymore. And that's the message I received. And so why, why continue to send them any love? So I figured let's just rip the bandaid off. Let's get over on Twitch and let's start building that up there and see how it goes. And, and the results were great out of the gate. So why backtrack? You know, I'm just going to, I'm going to lean into Twitch and see what I can make it. And uh, like I said, uh, it's been good. Yeah, especially like I've I've de- definitely done the Twitch streams where it's like we're also on YouTube, we're on Facebook, and it's kind of like, well, which one are you really on? Like, where's where's the chat happening? Like, where should I be? Yeah. So especially with yours, where it is like a conversation, and you need you need to like it can't be three different conversations happening. Like, you need need there to be a conversation. Yeah, and and each platform it has its own little nuances. Like, if you have to explain what mixer sparks are while someone's watching on twitch where they don't have that and another person's on facebook gaming and has never been on either of those other platforms you're gonna lose them 
They're going to come in. They're going to watch for two minutes and go, oh, no, this isn't for me, and then bounce before you ever have a chance to grab their attention. Yeah, so you've had uh, experience with a, a good amount of these platforms. So um, a great question from um, from the gang at uh, Nerdy Curious, at Nerdy Curious on Twitter, is uh, if you could change one thing about streaming platforms, what would it be and why? That's a great question. It's something we've talked about on my streams. Uh, you know, as all this went down, we had full conversations about it. And since the switch over, we've also seen some of the more prominent uh, streamers not make a decision on where they're going to go. And one has been banned from Twitch in the last week. Uh, it's just interesting to see all this news. Um, one of the things, there's a couple of things that come to mind if I, if I could see some changes. And one is something that uh, has come up several times. And that is, should there be some restrictions on who can or cannot stream? Uh, I feel like we have, there's a lot of kids that watch those platforms of all ages, and I don't think parents know exactly what's involved with all this because they don't all necessarily understand it. So I would definitely like to see some some parameters put in place to protect the the streamers and the viewers, specifically like some minimum ages and maybe even things like background checks and more oversight on what's going on on those channels. Uh, to cite one specific instance, I listened to an entire podcast from another group uh, called, uh, I think their, their podcast was called Stream Key or something along, something along those lines. Apparently some kid broadcasted, he put a, a phone in a microwave while he was live streaming and blew up the phone and then put a cat in there and luckily never did anything. Let me preface before I get to the rest of the conversation in case somebody's freaking out. The kid never pushed any buttons. But his his audience was going nuts. They're all like, don't do it. Don't do it. And as, as I'm hearing them talk about the story, what do you do in this situation? There is no 911 hotline for Twitch that I could tell. I've asked my audience. I've asked other streamers. No one seems to know an answer to this. So I think there definitely needs to be some oversight in place that if somebody's doing something terribly wrong and you've got about a bunch of young, impressionable kids watching, where's the magic button that we can all push that'll shut that down? get that kid banned and get him some help because clearly he doesn't need to be on that platform. Uh, and then, and then way less of a heavy conversation. Cause that gets pretty deep uh, is I think there needs to be more two way communication. Like I love the fact that I can conversate with my audience, engage with my audience and they can type in the chat and they can use emotes, but I think it needs to be bigger than that. Like, I, I don't know exactly what that looks like or what that means, but I feel like it's a lopsided conversation. Uh, I know there are some ways to bring in audio from other people via like Discord or if you're in a game chat, but I want there to be more for my audience to do while they're there. And and I again, I don't know exactly what that means yet, but I think it will happen naturally over time. And I can't wait to see what that evolution looks like over the upcoming years. Yeah, getting a little more interactive, more more polls, maybe kick it to him for a 10 second video or something like, I know it's a, it's a weird challenge to, to solve, but it definitely, you want people to get in, as engaged as possible. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're seeing some sites of that, like some, some inklings of what might come with like zoom and the fact that you can have multiple people in a chat and you can broadcast mm -hmm. that if you want. Um, that, that seems very collaborative. I feel like there's some sort of in between, like you said, small videos or small audio clips or, I don't know, can I designate some people that during a specific conversation and allow them to do things that everybody else can't necessarily do? I, I'm just spitballing right now, but I think there's some things coming. 
Uh, there's some very creative people out there who are doing some amazing things. And uh, I, I think they're going to shine and they're going to help continue to make live streaming shine in new and creative ways. Yeah, and I know some of the streamers are starting to censor or, or kick people off the platform basically for the content that they're putting out. But it is, you kind of have to figure out ways to do that before the fact. And like, yeah. Yeah, like you said, figure out ways to, because like right now they're all kind of saying, like, yeah, like, they, they shouldn't have done that and we kicked them off but it's like no no like twitch showed that like you have to find a way to prevent those things from being shown in the first place so that's that's another that's another big problem to solve you don't want to get too into like the whole censorship of it but you don't want people microwaving cats on camera exactly and i'm really intrigued as i go through the process on um on Twitch of they have these different levels of streaming. You can just be a general streamer. You can meet certain goals and move up to affiliate level, which hopefully by the time this airs, I will actually be an affiliate. I think tonight's the night that happens for me based on the requirements. And then there's another level, a big step up that is partner. I'm really anxious to see if I get to that level. I'm hoping I do. What does that really mean? Am I going to have input to the key decision makers on Twitch to help them guide that conversation and, and that platform and upcoming changes. Uh, I would, I would love to be a part of those conversations, almost like a part owner, you know, in, in what's going on. I think that would be tremendous because clearly I have some ideas and I've got a lot more uh, that are coming up every day that I would love to be a part of that conversation with them. Yes. Yeah, so I know a lot of your, or I'm sure most of your priorities right now are kind of getting your current audience onto Twitch or your, your, old funcast audience your old your current twitter audience what um but in terms of like growing your twitch audience are you doing anything particular there to kind of get the get the twitch audience onto your stream yeah i um I learned a lot going back to our first conversation years ago when it was uh, Steve and I talking about uh, nerd foo. You know, that was my first real business. I had done a few things before that, but that was the first time that I got a chance to to operate in the pop culture world and to go to conventions and to engage with people and have a message, actually have people listening. And I learned a lot from that. And one of the things that I always thought was true and was able to prove time and time again is you've got to in, in, uh, give people incentives they're probably not going to come over just because they think you are going to have a good conversation. It's a sad truth. There are going to be those people who will be for that, there for that, but a lot are going to need a reason to come over. So I employed exactly one of the same tactics that we did with NerdFoo, and that's giveaways. And I've tried a few different platforms, and I landed on one. I got to tell you, I, I'm pretty amazed at this platform. It's called Player.gg, P-L-A-Y-R.gg. It is a giveaway platform aimed at specifically the gaming community and game streaming. And they have built something pretty amazing there. And for just a few bucks a month, I'm not trying to do an ad for them, so I won't go into too much of the specifics. But for just a few bucks a month, I can house giveaways on there that do things uh, like, hey, fans, if you want to earn an entry to this giveaway, go over and follow Sully on, on Mixer or go follow him on Twitch or follow him on Twitter or Instagram. I can do any of those. Or it allows me to build custom actions like come join me on july 5th for a live stream and i'm a secret code word that will get get you 25 more entries into this giveaway some really cool creative ways to do some things on there and uh, that has helped to build my audience tremendously at least by the following number very few of those people are going to hang around and engage but 
But even if two people out of 200 started engaging on, on the channel, I consider that a win. Because they're, they're the kind of people that were out there looking for a place. They're looking for, uh, again, a, a place to belong. And they found it. And if that's what it took to get them there, I'm I'm perfectly okay with that. So I've done a couple giveaways already uh, in conjunction with Turtle Beach. I got some contacts over there who've been very generous uh, to do a couple of big giveaways. And the last one I did was for a Nintendo Switch Lite and a very nice uh, Turtle Beach headset. And that one paid off tenfold. Like so many people came to follow me on Mixer at the time. Uh, so I've got a couple of those in the uh, in the wings waiting to fire off. Uh, one should go up this week uh, that I think is going to blow people's minds on what I'm giving away. And I think that's going to help tremendously. Uh, but then also just just go into Twitter regularly to remind people like, hey, I'm going live today at five or at six and we're going to have a giveaway and we're going to talk about this. And I'm going to play these games. Come on over or doing Instagram posts or Instagram stories. I mean, if there's one thing, another thing I learned from marketing is you can't just do it once and sit back and wait for it to happen. You've got to consistently get that message out there because everybody consumes social in a different way. Some people go to Twitter once a week. Some people like me spend several hours a day there and you, you got to get in front of them. So you can't just, you can't just fire the flare once and walk away. You got to keep those flares off as often as possible. Yep, definitely. And yeah, I think it's the, that, the player.gg sounds like a great thing because you can, like you said, like maybe you'll get them on Twitch, but they may not necessarily stick around. So if you want to, like, you're really looking for that engagement and growth, you can, like, you don't want everyone to just be, this is a, this is for my Twitch subscribers. You want it to be like, this time do this activity, this time like me on Instagram, you know, having that option to make it a lot of different forms of engagement allows it to, allows you to get a little more bang for your buck out of it while, keeping your audience uh, engaged and keeping them doing more giveaway. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, to do those things, it's taken years to get to that point to understand all the nuances, but usually too, like if you're a big company and you want to do stuff like that, you've got to have somebody do your graphics. You got to have somebody writing your copy. You got to have somebody uh, manning those giveaways and setting them up. Somebody on Twitter engaging with people. And luckily I have the skill set to do all those things. So I mean, when I landed on that tool, I was like, oh, yeah, I just found home. Like, this is the thing I've been looking for for a while, and I'm not about to back off this. I'm going to have something going all the time. And I pretty much have. Since I've been streaming, I've had a giveaway going, like, at least 75% of the time. Yeah, so what's the, like, life cycle of a giveaway as far as, like, you announce it, and then a week later is the drawing, and in that time you get to do, you know, 20 tweets about it, or, you know, what's your... Like, how long does a giveaway usually run and how often are you mentioning it on the channel? You know, it really depends. I'm, I did a lot of research on this after, you know, not only doing my own giveaways, but working for other companies and trying different things. And I've read a bunch of articles online. And honestly, the sweet spot seems to be about two to three weeks. If you do a giveaway on a social platform that's simply like retweet and follow it needs to be a small item. It's going to go fast. You're not going to get a lot of bang for your buck. It needs to be like, we did a lot of that at Funko, like retweet and share. Here's the thing that costs us X amount of dollars to make. It's not the full $10 retail, but it's cheaper than that, you know? And then if you go bigger, like when I did the switch and the headset, I don't want to do that and have it end in one day. I want people to have a chance to come find it. You, again, you got to keep sending up those flares. So definitely going to make that one last a little bit longer. I think I did that one for nearly a month. Uh, and that might've been a little too long, to be honest, looking back at the analytics, there was a dead spot in the middle, but this next giveaway I'm going to do, I'm honing in on about a month 
and the prize value on that one is significantly higher. So I think a month makes sense for that one. We'll find out. I mean, part of the part of the um, life cycle of doing a giveaway or a promotion or a marketing plan is you got to look back and see how the last one performed. If you don't look at the analytics, did you learn anything from it? You know, you got to look back and see how it did. I mean, just like when you're posting the podcast, I'm sure you've paid attention to, hey, I put the podcast out on this day of the week. How'd that perform? Or I told people on Twitter that the podcast is out on this day and this time. Should I do it at a different day and time next week to get their attention? You got to constantly be looking at those things. And sadly, they're not set in stone. Depending on your audience, those those may be moving targets. So you got to constantly be looking at it, looking back, assessing, re- reassessing, retooling. It's it's an, an ever-growing process. Yeah, testing and tweaking everything constantly. Uh, you know, times, wording, hashtags, days. Uh, mm-hmm images everything needs to be tested and tweaked and ongoing yeah absolutely um but yeah this is a great um segue into ronnie's question at the ronnie's um what would you say are the top three things that make up the foundation for a successful marketing campaign God, this was a tough question. I'm glad you sent me these in advance. Normally, I'm the kind of guy, I'm like, just just fire it off and I'll handle it on the fly. I think I might have stumbled on this one pretty bad. Uh, so oh, yeah, I actually, These are the hard-hitting questions. You need time. For real, for real. She uh, And I love her to death, so I, I'm glad she, she hit me with a question like this that made me really think. I mean, I've been doing marketing professionally since 2009, so over a decade now, uh, and specifically in social media. So my answer is really... It's it's generally about marketing, but really more specifically about social media. And it's I'm going to go one over. I got four items, so I cheated a little bit. Um, the first one, I, I almost don't count because, again, it goes back to what we were just talking about. And I think if you're going to run a marketing campaign, you got to have clear goals. What? Why are you bothering to do this thing? What is, what is success? You got to be able to measure that, right? And a lot of people, if I'm going to work with a partner – one of the things I always ask them is, is uh, like, let's say Turtle Beach, when they came to me and they're like, hey, you want to give away a headset? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. What are you guys marketing right now? What do you want me to focus on so that I can make sure to incorporate their plans into what I'm doing? Uh, but then the main three, once you get going, is, is number one to me is design. If your graphics aren't on par, if your video isn't on par, if your message isn't on par, uh, if you're, you've ri- written on there a copy, it's it, it, people are going to lose you in two seconds. They're never going to pay attention. You've got to grab their attention visually because most people behave visually. They, they respond visually uh, and then get the words across to them. And, and too often that means being very, very short in your messaging. Be very clear. So that's the second one is clear messaging. What is it you're trying to say? I mean, I think we can all think back to times we've watched commercials and we're like, what the hell was that? Like, what did I just see? And if somebody asks you the next day, well, yeah, you told me about that commercial. What was the product? What was even and people for? can't even tell you. Right? I mean, you've, I know you've done that before. I know a lot of people listening have done that before. So you failed right there like if you can't. If you, through, you're like 20 seconds into a commercial. Like, yeah. uh, is it for the car? Like, I bet it's for the car. Like, no, it's yep. a commercial. We do that at home, here at the house all the time. And <laughs> sometimes we're wrong. And then it's kind of fun if you, if you are wrong. It's like a twist. Uh, and then the, the last part, uh, so technically three or four, depending on how you look at my answer, is a clear customer path, a clear customer journey. Uh, this is something I, working at professional companies like, uh, I used to do uh, social media for Reliant Energy, and then I did it for Funko, is when somebody would come to me and, and go, hey, we got this thing and we're ready to launch. And I'm like, okay, 
what does that look like for the customer? If I see, if I'm the customer and I see the image or I see the video, what's the next step? What's, what's my next action? And then what does that look like? Does it, does it jive with the previous steps? Is there a clear flow? Is there a clear path? And more often than not, you've got all these people working together and there is no clear path. There's no call to action. The URL is not functional. There's no rules in place. If it's a giveaway, there's no, there, no one's done Q and A. There's no, well, what if the customer clicks this button? You got to go through all those steps. And so the, sh- the, the very short version of my long-winded explanation is design, clear message, and clear customer path. I think those things are all extremely important. And I think, like you said, the, the goal for the overall campaign helps with that because like a lot of times with those things, it'll be like your, the, your clear path at the end will be like, oh yeah, you know, follow us on YouTube subscribe to our this and that and like they'll give you three or four different customer paths and people just kind of like oh okay like and just get get overwhelmed and don't do anything you gotta kind of like pick one thing you want them to do and make it very clear what that is and how to do it exactly yeah and so many times you'd be surprised how many times that there's a breakdown in that process the day before you're about to pull the trigger to make something live because no one spent the time to really think about it. They, everybody did their own little parts, but nobody put it all together to figure out how it's going to work for the customer. And that's the most important part, in my opinion. That also gets into the like the the clear copy where it's, you know, especially if you've got multiple people, like I know you've experienced at, at some, like working with some other companies uh, where they're like, oh, well, we really want to get uh, like, got to find a, a, a more nerdy example, but like we really want to get sustainable in there. Or like, you know, they've got these these words or these additional goals. Like, yeah, yeah, we want this to be, you know, about the podcast, but like, don't forget we've got this YouTube channel. So like, you know, get that in there a little bit. And it's like, well, we're getting a little bloated now. <laughs> yep. Oh, I I'll share the story now. I think I think the uh statute of limitations has run out because I haven't worked for Reliant in years. But I, that was a Fortune 100 company and we would have to draft all the social copy for tweets, Facebook posts, Instagram posts, and we'd have to take them in front of a legal review board before we were allowed to post them. And you would go in front of this, I was literally a room with 10 lawyers in it. I'd have to sit in front of them and I would have to read them tweets that I was going to post. And they'd have a copy of it in front of them. Not a single one of them used Twitter or understood Twitter, but I got to get them to sign off. And their only input ever was, Hey, did you get our, uh, did you get our legal line in there? Did you get the, the restrictions? Like, I'm not putting that in a tweet. You can't put it in a tweet. And they're like, well, you have to, I'm like, your legal line is more than the ca- the number of characters I can put in a tweet. And they're like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> and we'd have these conversations time and time again, to the point where I would just sit there and stare at the ceiling and be like, guys, you're, you're handcuffing me. I can't do anything. I'm trying really hard, but you guys are not listening. And uh, boy, that goes over real well with 10 lawyers. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you can't win. makes marketing very difficult. Oh God. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like oil and water. Those two never mix well. Um, but yeah, you were mentioning, um, so to, to, switch gears a little bit um in addition to to streaming on twitch you've also got the movie retakes podcast i know this is the you've you've got some experience podcasting (laughs) (laughs) yeah to say the least i uh i'll always go back to the story first and that was steve with nerd foo he was the one that wanted to podcast and he's the one that pitched that idea and i was like i don't know if i really wanted to do that 
And thank God he did because we did the Nerd Food podcast and I found I had a passion for something immediately. I didn't know I ever wanted to do it. Uh, and boom, I fell in love with podcasting. And we, he and I did 235 episodes of Nerd Foo, uh, which still isn't technically dead. We just haven't done anything with it in a while. Uh, we just kind of stepped back for a minute. And then I did at Funko 137 episodes of the Funcast, plus all these different ones like like your podcast and some of my other friends in the industry. Uh, I won't name names because the list goes on forever and I'll forget somebody and that'll be that'll be horrible. Uh, but so many people are doing podcasts and I'll guess on. So at one point using a, a, this amazing site called Podchaser, I logged all the podcasts I'd ever been on. And I, and when my brother and I recorded the first episode of movie retakes back in February, I think it was, uh, that was my 400th podcast episode I had done, which I still can't believe. Uh, cause it felt like I just started doing this yesterday. Uh, but he and I sat down, I was there visiting, he lives up in, in Canada and I was visiting, and he he's extremely intelligent, uh, way smarter than I am. He's a writer, very creative, but he and I grew up loving movies. That was when we were hanging with Dad on a Friday, that's what we were doing. We were going to the video rental store. Yeah, kids, there was a time where you had to go to a store to get your movies on a weird cassette thing. And uh, we would rent movies and stay up and watch them and eat pizza. And so that was our childhood. And we, if there's a movie from the 80s or 90s, my brother and I most likely have seen it. And we've always shared that. And while I was hanging out with him in February, we're like, we really should do something together. And so we're just sitting around having beers and spitballing ideas. And and I don't know exactly who came up with the first or how, but we landed on this idea of one of the things people keep saying online is Hollywood is out of ideas, which we both need, know to be total BS. It's just people's perception of that is that, oh, another sequel another reboot. I'm so sick of this. Why can't Hollywood be original? When in fact, they really, there's plenty of original content out there, but the big budget stuff are these, what we deemed retakes. It's a term we came up with that we accidentally tripped into on our first podcast. So so what's a retake? A retake is a a sequel, a prequel, a spinoff, a reboot, a reimagining, whatever other new term Hollywood comes up for tapping into a, a, a license or a franchise that's already proven successful. That's a retake. And so we came up with the idea of, hey, let's let's look at these uh, these retakes that have been announced or are coming. At the time, we thought all these would already be coming out, and then COVID, you know. Uh, but like we knew Bill and Ted was on, on deck. Uh, another Coming to America is coming. Another Top Gun is coming. Uh, another, y- you name it. There's a there's hundred in the works right now. And we're like, what if we could tap into that retake thing and answer to those people who are saying Hollywood's out of ideas, but also think of the trending hashtags around all these movies. Could we build a podcast that just totally taps into that? And that's where we came up with the idea of movie retakes, our podcast in where we take a film that we know a a sequel, prequel, whatever a retake is coming. We watch the movies in the franchise. If there's multiple, we break it down. We look at the cool stuff behind the scenes, uh, random facts that people may not know. And then, and this is the part that we've really enjoyed the most, is we each give our own idea for a retake, what the, what the studio should do next. And we actually cast it and pick a director and pick a setting and write out a few paragraphs of what that movie would look like. We write out the synopsis. And it has been a blast. Uh, we've done we've done Ghostbusters, all those movies I just mentioned, Bill and Ted, 
uh, coming to America. We've done nine episodes so far. We even did Snowpiercer because the TV series was coming to TNT and Dune, which most people immediate response was, oh, man, you watch Dune? Because <laughs> so many people say they love it, but so many people kind of like cringe at the idea of watching it again, which is a weird dynamic, right? But uh, so we've been doing that. And and over the nine uh, different uh, episodes that we've recorded now in each and every one, he and I both give our own take on what we think that retake should look like. And it's been such a fun, creative outlet to write those out and to pitch them on the podcast and working. I mean, I get to work with my brother, which is, a, which is a blast. Cause we don't get to hang out a whole lot. And now we've put aside time every couple weeks to spend a few hours together uh, talking about something that we both have such a passion for. So it's, it's been a real blast. Yeah, it's that great mix of something you're going to have fun doing with your brother and an excuse to talk and also something that's going to like have an audience. You already know it's it's going to be newsworthy at some point. It's going to be trending in the near future. Um, and I appreciated the Dune episode because I I was I I'd never seen it. So I watched the first like half hour and I was kind of like, oh, this is. It's pretty gross. Like you know, I turned it off and I'm like, but I, I should I should listen to it or I should watch it before I listen to the episode. Like ah, I've read the book. Like you know what? Screw it. I'll just watch. The, I'll listen to their episode and you guys trashed it the whole time. So I'm like, all right, I need to watch that. <laughs> yeah, we're we're pretty honest. My brother's much more the cynic when it comes to films. I'm usually the guy that's impressed by just about anything when it comes to movies. But we both had some issues with Dune, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, going into the actual, because um, there's a lot of there's a lot of great like fan castings out there, and I I love the heck out of those too, so I enjoy that part. But also going into the synopsis, the setting, like every aspect that you would change is is makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, and and we're hoping. I mean, you never know. Hollywood may be out of ideas, and they they might be looking for a dynamic duo who can come in and. Sp- spice up a, a retake on something and they'll call on the Sully brothers one day and movie retakes. will go to a whole other level or Hey, maybe they'll steal one of our ideas and we can make it into the public eye by going, Hey, we already did that. We recorded this episode last year. Listen to yeah. it. We already called this. <laughs> go for it. Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the art of a, the art of walking in and giving a good pitch is a, it's a marketable skill. We'll see. I mean, I've never, I've never had the, the fortune to try it. Uh, but who knows what this would lead to? But yeah, what have you? So four hundred episodes. What did you take into this new one that, like, maybe you wanted to do things differently, or things that you knew did work and you wanted to make sure include? What? Uh, how did that experience kind of help you start off on a strong foot on this one? Yeah, I not only I, I've I recorded a lot of episodes over the years, but I've done everything from the you know creating the notes, so producing as people call it, but like creating the notes, actually being a host or or sitting in with other hosts and recording, doing graphics, doing social media for podcasts, uh, even the editing, which for a long time I despised the actual editing of a podcast, and now I've gotten uh, more comfortable with it and 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 learned to accept it. But I did learn a lot along the ways, and one of the one of the things he and I did that's very different and something that I've, I, I try to help anybody else who wants to start their own podcast with anything I've learned. And I sh- I've been sharing this a lot. And that is, if you have a concept for a podcast, the the instinct is, I don't want to waste uh, recording time doing something I don't like. So I'm going to plan, 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 plan. And then I'm going to record and I'm going to put whatever that recording was out. Now I'm telling people don't do that. Yes, you should plan, 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 plan. 
but then sit down, hit the record button, which is the piece of advice I give everyone who asks, what, what do I need to do? And that is hit the record button. Don't, don't sit around forever talking about it because then you'll talk yourself out of it. Actually hit record, have the conversation kind of how you pictured it or outlined it. Record that whole thing with never having the intention of putting it out. Use that as just a test, a dry run, a dress rehearsal, whatever you want to call it, and listen back to it and pick out the things that worked and the things that didn't work and try again. It's that test retest like we were talking about with the giveaways too. Uh, you got to do that and 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 then go record another one. And maybe even that one isn't the one you're going to put out there. Maybe you use that again for testing and retesting until you get to a point where you're comfortable because if there's one thing I've learned with podcasting and, and a question I like to ask people is like, when you find a new podcast, how do you listen to it? Do you just jump in on any episode? Do you then go back to episode one? Well, sadly, so many episode ones of podcasts are not that great because people haven't found their footing yet. It's so hard to bring a group of people together, even if they're all passionate about something and really get a balance and a mix of all the voices that are included in the podcast. I mean, I'll be totally honest with the fun cast. It took us, I felt like it took us a good 10, 15 episodes before we got into that rhythm where I really felt like we were bouncing off each other and we had a good outline. Uh, same thing with nerd foo. And when somebody tells me they're going to go back and listen to episode one, I'm like, Oh, maybe don't maybe start at 30. <laughs> Cause by then we had our footing a little better. Uh, but that, that's, that's one of the main things I did different is we sat down and we actually recorded demolition man. We didn't put it out there. We kept him and hawing about it and going, should we? It's like things have changed so much now. And eventually we just decided let's re-record it. So we, after we had done six, seven episodes, we went back and re-recorded Demolition Man uh, as a whole new episode. And I'm so glad we did because it wasn't our best foot forward when we recorded it. Um, I think that's the biggest change that we made from the other ones, but also just getting uh, setting some real expectations. We could have said, let's record weekly, but there's a lot of prep that goes into uh, creating a good, cohesive podcast. And we spend between watching the movies and and really developing those pitches, I'd say we spend anywhere between three and six hours each prepping for the podcast. If we didn't do that, we're not, we're not putting our best foot forward. So there's, there's another bit of advice I would give people to is, is do actually spend the time on it. Don't just crank out content for the sake of content. Make sure it's, it's quality, make sure it's good. Uh, and if you're not proud of it, maybe don't, don't hit the publish button. Maybe you go back and redo it again. Yeah, like the when you initially record it, you're not just figuring out your the format that the show should take. It's also figuring out your voice and and how the voices are going to mesh. And it definitely it seems like that's something that you guys figured out all the way back in Nerd Foo. Um, is the movie retakes also has a great format where you've got multiple segments. You know, love the the trivia that you throw in in there, and like it's. Very clearly well researched, but it also keeps people engaged through that that long form content. We're hoping so. I mean, uh, going back again to the assessing what you've done and and having uh, and looking back, there's not a lot of analytics when it comes to podcasting. It's getting better these days, but one of the things you really want to know is how much of a podcast do people listen to. And from the analytics we're getting, most people listen to the majority of it, which is very uh, promising. Because we do longer episodes. They're anywhere from an hour, 20 minutes to an hour, 45. That's pretty lengthy. Can you keep people around? And luckily, we've been able to do that. So so that's a good sign for the future. 
Yeah, and I'll say don't go back and listen to uh, all the way back in episode four when I had you and Steve on. It's uh, still, even if, even four episodes in, was still figuring things out. <laughs> It's it is a tough thing to to strike a balance with for sure. I don't I don't remember it being bad. I, I remember that being a really good uh, a good interaction. So you might be being a little harsh on yourself. Uh, <laughs> I think we all do that though as creators. It's just part of it. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so so I know you're kind of like you had a, a a break from Funko almost and you starting all these things and then that became a permanent break. So you're, it seems like you're still kind of figuring out where you want your, your new geek brand to take you. Uh, what are your future plans for it? You know, that's a great question and something I ask myself when I get out of bed every morning, <laughs> uh, is what, what next, what today I, I I'm like a kid in a candy store right now, uh, because there are so many avenues that I could go and I have so many passions and it really is tricky for me to just hone in on a couple of things, but I have to do that if I'm going to be smart. I've got I've got to find a balance between, just like with Funko, doing something that I loved, doing something that I can be sincere about because that's important to me, uh, doing something I believe in while having a good time. And I don't if I could do that in ten hours a week, great. If I could do that in eighty hours a week, I'll do it. I'm no stranger to hard work and putting in the hours. I'm willing to do that. So right now I'm really, I'm working from sunrise to sunset and then some and uh, sleeping a lot less, but, but I'm loving every second of it because I'm just trying a bunch of things and I've got, I'm doing the podcasting, I'm doing the live streaming. I've got a couple opportunities coming up to do things like public speaking type stuff. Uh, I'm helping other podcasters get into it. I'm helping other streamers get into it. Uh, it's just, there's a lot of things. I, do I want to merchandise myself? There's a question I have to ask. So I'm working on that. Uh, but all of it is like, can I, can I do all this stuff, have fun and make some money? I've got to be able to pay my bills. So I'm trying to figure out ways to have a balance where I can do all of that. I don't have to be rich. I just need to pay the bills right now and we'll see where it goes. And then I'll lean into the things that make me happiest and still continue to allow me to pay the bills. Yeah. Finding the right way to monetize your brand is definitely a good goal to have from the beginning. So you can see like where it could head. Yeah. And it's, it's something I've never had to do for myself. I've always done it for someone else and they had a budget or you hope they had a budget. In most cases, uh, they had a game plan of what they wanted to do. So again, I'm fighting that shiny object syndrome. Like I'll look at something and go down a rabbit hole and then realize, Oh, that's that, that not only is that a bad idea, it's not going to make any money. Stop doing that. Let's turn to something else. So I'm trying to figure that out, but I'll get there. It's that's also a there. whole different business. <laughs> Yes, that's true too. I mean, I'm not I'm not making plastic or vinyl figures. Uh, I, I that's not in my wheelhouse. I'm not an artist in that respect. I don't have licensing. I can't do that. I've got to I got to do something else. Right now, I have the brand of me. I we still have Nerd Foo if we want to do that. Um, I've got movie retakes. How do I monetize those things, or do I not monetize those things and find side gigs that allow me to make money? I don't know. We'll see. Um, or you could sell ice cream, natural segue into uh, the last fan question from Twitter. <laughs> I wondered how you were going to handle that segue. <laughs> you, need to, you need the segue. Um, from JJ9 well uh, at Niners underscore nine, um, what would Sully from uh, Monsters Inc. ice cream favorite ice cream flavor be? 
That's a that was another tough one. All I could think of is is there an ice cream uh, flavor or at least one visually that matches up with Sully? And so I went to the Baskin. I went to the expert. I went to Baskin Robbins website. Uh, and uh, the one flavor that stood out was cotton candy because it just happens to be blue and purple, and it looks like Sully uh, in in an ice cream cone without being vulgar. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the only one I could come up with. I couldn't think of anything in the movies where, where he like, like showed uh, love for any one thing that he ate. Yeah. Uh, so, I, so I had to go with visual. Uh, the cotton candy part kind of evokes the right, the right texture almost for him, which is, is a wrong uh-huh. way to phrase, phrase ice cream. But uh... <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, uh, so this has been awesome. Um, where should people go to check out your stuff and, uh, follow you on Twitch and learn more about you? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the chance to shout that out. I mean, uh, I'm most active on Twitter for, for my personal stuff and that is at C S S U L L Y. So C S Sully, same thing on Twitch. I'm twitch.tv slash C S S U L L Y. Uh, and then my other big project that we talked about a little bit today is movie retakes. And luckily, that was part of the naming. We were able to get movie retakes everywhere. So you can follow us on Twitter is movie retakes. You can follow us on uh, iTunes. If you look up the podcast, it's movie retakes. Uh, we, we've got a YouTube channel that's youtube.com slash movie retakes. Luckily, we we were planned ahead. There's another thing I learned is make sure you can get your brand across across all the channels or don't bother because otherwise it gets confusing for fans. So that played into our naming. But those are the three main ones. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, this was uh, this was a blast. Thanks. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. appreciate the conversation. And uh, man, I have to turn around and ask you some questions next time so I can get to find out what you've been up to. Sounds good. Yeah. There you have it, guys. My talk with Chris Sully, and yeah, I got a ton out of this one. I think i really appreciate the the twitter questions that came in from ronnie um, who's also a member of nerdy curious and from jj9 um and yeah nerdy curious is a great uh great blog and podcast um about different uh different nerdy things they do um you know, nerdy recipes and, and reviews and their it's on the list podcast goes through different um, trips they've taken and movies they've watched and, and a lot of great experiences and reviews of those. And I think Ronnie's question um, was, was ended up being my biggest takeaway from the podcast, which was uh, making the foundation for a successful marketing campaign and really, you know, knowing your goals from the beginning, having a clearly defined message and clearly defining what you want your audience to do in that campaign and having a clear call to action, as they say. Um, and yeah, I think that was, that was awesome advice from Sully. So definitely give him a follow on Twitter at CS Sully. Um, he's streaming on Twitch regularly at CS Sully as well. And check out the movie retakes podcast. And I'll include links to all of this in the show notes at underthecapes.com slash episode 72. And until next time, guys, I hope you got something out of this. I hope you learned something. And I will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the Entrepreneur Podcast by Under the Capes. I hope this episode has helped motivate you to either start or grow your geek brand. 
If you liked the episode, I would love if you could give us a rating and a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to be listening from. And feel free to connect with us on social media, on Twitter, at Under the Capes, on Facebook, at Under the Capes, and on Instagram, at Under the Capes Cosplay. Thanks so much, and have a great day.